Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deep Fried Cheese Nerds. I'm Shiloh, and I'm here again with Cody and Ryan. Hey, uh, do either of you happen to have any whipped cream? No. Ryan, got any whipped cream? I do have whipped cream. You do? Oh, good. I'm trying to choke down this massive plate of humble pie. And I don't think I can do it without a massive mound of whipped cream on the top. Feeling pretty humble right now, and I'm not even that big a fan of pie. So. You just got to have that uh, Oreo crust. (laughs) Yeah, let's get Matt LaFleur on the phone and tell him about the Oreo crust. Yep, Maybe that'll turn things around. Right. Tell him. Make sure to tell him that you can get it like in the pan already. Saves so much time. <laughs> he doesn't even have to make the crust from scratch. He can just get some of those pre-made ones from Walmart. Exactly. I think they might have been making a pie on the sideline because it didn't seem like they were into the game too much. Yeah, they were too focused on the pie, I think. <laughs> yeah, they definitely weren't playing football, at least not in the second half. And I'm not even sure the offense was there that day. Yeah, they looked uh, similar to, like, I don't know, the uh, West De Pere high school football team. <laughs> Before we get into the Packers' dismal performance against the New York Jets, uh, let's talk some NFL news. This is a weird season. I think we keep saying that every week, and it just gets weirder and weirder. It just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't feel like offenses are playing their best football. Scoring is down across the board um god i gotta say do you have do you have any idea how many ums i cut out of every single broadcast i do and every week i'm like oh i gotta work on my ums gotta get that um count down (laughs) yeah i cut out so many of them somebody call the umpire (laughs) (laughs) um ah, god damn it (laughs) (laughs) anyway There doesn't seem to be any offense that can stay consistently good with maybe the exception of the Bills. Like maintaining a standard of really good offense week to week for more than two or three weeks at a time. Right. And unlike the Lions getting wins out of them. Exactly. And then even the Lions, once they come up against someone like Belichick, get shut down. Yeah. Confusing. Uh, Some trade news. The Cardinals have acquired Robbie Anderson from the Carolina Panthers. There was some rumblings that maybe Robbie Anderson would be coming our way. What do you guys think? Do you think we missed out? I don't think we missed out, like, at all. I think they got him for pennies, you know? I thought it was a 2023-6 and maybe a 2024-7 or something like that. But it was dirt cheap. But I don't think if he would have came over, you know, and didn't immediately make the offense start humming, what would he say to losing then on the Packers now? Because he's because he might be a diva if the Packers wouldn't immediately start winning. I think going to the Packers, there would have been one less hurdle for him, though. I don't know if you know. remember when he was on the Panthers a couple of years back and he looked up at the scoreboard and he saw Sir Purr dancing <laughs> around and he said to his teammate, what's that bear doing up there? <laughs> You're on the Panthers. It's a Panther, obviously. And it was hilarious when his teammate said, that's Sir Purr. And he's like, it's got a name? You guys call it Sir Purr? So the Packers not having a mascot would have kind of fit in with his uh, with his uh, style there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going back to what Cody said, it seems like there's definite off-the-field issues with him. And he's he's well past his prime. How much better is he than what we currently have, you know, if if he's better at all? The Broncos played the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Chargers came out on top. And Russell Wilson is now 14-15 and 15 since trademarking Let Russ Cook. I'm starting to think that might have been a really bad deal for the Broncos. Yeah, it's getting to the point where it's almost hard to deny he's probably, like, washed at this point, you know, which is just absolutely hard to believe, but... At this point, it's got to be his play and not really the coaching. Although the coaching is bad, he's playing really boneheaded football, you know? And it's just, it's perplexing because he's known as this, like, efficient guy who can, like, 
make plays out of nothing and stuff and just they had like a winning record with him for how long like each season and many playoff appearances two super bowls and or two super bowl appearances one win but what happened in one year you know i mean there's the hand injury last year but what uh what's going on with my with my boy can i lay out to you guys what the Seahawks have got so far while the Broncos have gotten Russell Wilson. Let's hear it. So currently the Broncos have a two and four record with Russell Wilson as their quarterback for the next seven years. That's the Broncos side of the trade. The Seahawks out of that trade have received Kenneth Walker, Charles Cross, Tariq Woolen, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, a top five pick in 2023 so far, a top 40 pick in 2023, and $245 million in cash. How much guaranteed? It's got to be most of it, right? I don't think Russ would have signed for very cheap. It makes you wonder what the Seahawks, uh, what they knew going into this, you know, if they kind of seen via practice or whatever that he was on the decline and really got the Broncos good with a they sold him very high compared you know for how he's performing it's looking like uh 165 million in guarantees <laughs> so still a, a pretty penny and they've got this guy guaranteed for seven years man you're seeing this in the first season and you know you have to pay this guy for six more years yeah, and it's not even like a full season yet. It's six games, and they're already like regretting this decision as like the worst thing they've ever done. And they don't have an out. Like they they don't have a first round pick for a while to go and get their future quarterback. And he can't stop creating memes. Like it's just a never ending <laughs> meme pit from the guy. That's just embarrassing. <laughs> I've never seen. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people in the NFL, but. This guy loves the smell of his own farts so much. <laughs> I think if he could bottle his farts, he would also try to sell them. <laughs> and the Broncos would buy it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just like those Twitch streamers. <laughs> oh my god. I this is one of the worst deals in NFL history at this point. It's it's got it's one of the most lopsided deals since maybe the RG3 trade. It's insanity. The Seahawks did lose one with that, uh, what's his face, that safety that they got from the Jets. Oh, was that Adams? Yes, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, yeah. So they've been on the the poop side of the poop stick as well. But in this one, they definitely got the side of the stick that has like tape around it and a nice yeah. handle. Like 30 bucks. And grooves for your fingers. Yeah. Do you think uh, Russ is just a very shy guy? And he's literally telling us he wants to do a career change. Let Russ cook. He's <laughs> <laughs> going to be the yeah. next George Foreman. He wants to be making the dogs at the stadium, not <laughs> slinging them. Oh, man. The Wilson grill. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if like, he just pulled a zipper down from his head in his face and revealed like some boring ass alien, you know? <laughs> Just trying to mimic human behavior. Yep. Yeah, this is the kind of thing I point to when people say free agency fixes everything. We're in the middle of it right now, where half the fan base is screaming for us to pick up a splash free agent or to trip, make a splash trade, get somebody now who's guaranteed to be good. The Broncos did just that. They have mortgaged their future for a quarterback who is supposed to be very, very good. And now they're looking at seven years of bad luck. They really cracked the mirror on this one. <laughs> that old monkey's paw. Yeah. <laughs> you make the trade for the, the hot ticket, and it doesn't always work out. And then you might be in a lot of trouble for a very long time. Teams that have been doing well and have been secretly getting better and better. Giants and the Jets, we played them back-to-back. -back. 
they look like different teams now. They they look like teams on the rise. And I think we need to start paying attention. Even the NFL or even Vegas, they're they've got the Jets and the Giants as underdogs heading into their next matchups this week, despite being on three game winning streaks, both of them. The Giants face the Jags and they're considered underdogs. And the Jets face the Broncos with Russell Wilson and they're considered underdogs. Wow. That's silly. I feel like the NFL is still viewing teams through a 2021 lens. We're almost halfway through the season at this point. And some of these teams are just bad. And some of these teams are much better than we're giving them credit for. And I think the Giants and the Jets both fit into the latter category. I'm personally, I still want to say, like, I'm not sold on them, you know. But especially the Giants with their terrible roster. Like, who do they have for a wide receiver one? It's very grim right now for their, what should be like a bad offense, you know. But they've got Barkley there. And I, I feel like he's... He's like the whole offense, you know, they don't have the receiver power to just like do shootouts and everything. So I don't know. I just think it's going to, I just think it's going to come tumbling down at some point, but. Yeah, I agree with Cody on that one. I mean, I think these last two losses and hell, even the last three games counting the win against the Pats, I think these last three games tell us more about the our own team than it does about the other teams like like Cody said I'm not sold on any one of those teams really I think it's just kind of telling about where we are as a organization right now yep I agree you know it says more about how bad our team is than how great theirs are you know I think I'm willing to disagree with you guys on this I think the Giants and the Jets and specifically, I'm going to talk about the Jets a little bit more, but the Giants, I will say, I think they're in a similar position as us in that we don't have much for a wide receiver room either, but they are using their players, using what they have to generate plays in a way that we are not. I feel the Giants and the Jets have their arrows pointing up as opposed to us where our arrow it's like a it's like the arrow on a boiler pressure meter and it's just jolting back and forth and you really don't know you don't know if it's pointing up down sideways we're super volatile right now but the giants and the jets both seem like teams on the rise yeah just again just looking at almost our entire season so far there's really not one week where I sat back and said, there's my Packers, there they are, this electric team. I mean, other than the one game against the Bears, which, like we say, yeah, I mean, we should should own them, quote-unquote, but just every other one of those games was, honestly, we could have lost them all. Yep, definitely. Did you guys check out any of the other games this week? I really liked the Steelers Buccaneers game just to see uh <laughs> just to see Tom Brady really mad and then also <laughs> getting beat by Mitch Trubisky. So that was fun. Ooh, oh man, who saw that coming? Right? What a surprise in that game. Yeah, for me it was the the Jags and Colts game. You know, I always like those games that come down to the last quarter, the last 10 minutes going back and forth and you know, it kind of went up to a lateral play at the end for the Jags that they couldn't really do anything with, but it was a good all-around watch. Yeah, and I really like the Giants and the Ravens game. Um, This is part of the reason I think the Giants are an upward mobile team. They handed the Ravens a decisive loss, and the Ravens are a very good offense. That That was an interesting game to watch. How'd you guys do in fantasy this week? No comment. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I also got beat pretty good, but in my other leagues I won. But in the you know in our league I uh, took another bad loss. I went from three and zero, and now I'm three and three on a downward spiral here. So <laughs> me, I, I'm rising like a rocket and enjoying my time. Feels pretty good. That comes to a halt this week, though. I'm not sure who I play, but I know Josh Allen is on bye. That's why I said it. <laughs> so, <laughs> hello. Uh, Mariota, I guess. Could be worse. I don't even think you have a backup quarterback. 
No, I'm going to have to drop someone for it. Ooh, quick, Cody, get Mariota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Leave him with, uh, hopefully somebody drops Russ and then Shadow picks him up. I'll just grab Taylor Heineke. <laughs> I'm putting all my money into backup quarterbacks this week. <laughs> You're not even yeah. playing against me. I know. <laughs> just in spite. <laughs> I have uh, moved to one in five, and uh, my <laughs> loss came to the lowest scoring team in the league by about 115 points and i he um doubled my score so that was fun 60 to like 120 it was probably the most heartbreaking (laughs) loss i've ever felt the most actually not the most heartbreaking because my heart is already broken so it was more like (laughs) they just took it out they broke it they put it back in they took it out and then they just broke it again you know hey in other news though your uh tight end almost got you what the points you already had for the season absolutely yeah, you doubled I up s- your tight end points <laughs> i spent uh 69 dollars of fab to get nice. Taysom hill and he <laughs> almost uh matched my season total for tight end uh points throughout the week with 4.7 <laughs> wow <laughs> i mean that can only get better right <laughs> Uh, that's what I said last <laughs> week. I said it can't get much worse. At least I play John, you know, like. <laughs> uh, that's what I get, though. Well, the Packers showed up this week in some very nice-looking uniforms. We got to see their throwback uniforms, the green and yellow. I think they look really good. So our NFL discussion question this week, I want to know which team has your favorite uniform? You want to go first, Cody? Sure. This might be a controversial pick because these jerseys are um, vibrant. (laughs) Uh, I love the Seahawks neon green. Man, those are, it just appeals to me. They're uh, they're so bright. Yeah, definitely can't miss them. (laughs) Yeah, for me, my uh, (laughs) also might be a very controversial pick here. But uh, I've always been a fan of the Vikings all purple with the gold numbers uniform. I think it's a pretty sharp looking uni. Yeah, they're very similar to the uniforms we wore this past weekend. Just yep. with a purple instead of green. My choice, I think, is actually one of the more popular choices amongst NFL fans. I love the Philip Rivers era Chargers powder blue uniforms. They just pop so nicely. They look so bright. There's something classic about them, yet futuristic. I really like those a lot. We got some honorable mentions for our favorite uniforms. The current Packers throwbacks, I think, are really great. I also like when the Packers wear their all-white uniforms. And I'm a big fan of the Buccaneers' dreamsicle uniforms. Shiloh, I think it's creamsicle. (laughs) But they're the same color as the ice cream. I know, but the creamsicles are also the ice cream. Oh, well, dreamsicle, creamsicle, they all look good. In addition, I think the Pat Patriot uniform is really good, too. Yeah, I love the, I would have chosen the the Pat Patriot one, but, you know, I, uh, just those neon greens, man. I've always been a fan of the Eagles Kelly Green unis. I'm not sure if it's in my subconscious from the hit movie Invincible starring Marky Mark mm-hmm. playing Vince Papali, but, uh, yeah, it's always, uh, kind of stuck out in my mind as well. I thought that was the Bruce Willis movie. (laughs) That's unbreakable. Oh. (laughs) They all mean the same thing, but very different (laughs) movies. (laughs) How about some of our least favorites? What are some of our least favorite uniforms? The very first jersey that comes to mind is the Jags color rush jersey where they're just (laughs) all gold. It was the worst decision ever. That was a that was probably a shot con idea and nobody wanted to like <laughs> nobody wanted to lose their jobs so they're like, "Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool." Those uniforms reminded me of Dr. Seuss's The Butter Battle Book. <laughs> I don't remember I don't know if you guys remember I th- it might have been like the first color rush game in NFL history when the Jags played against the Titans. The Jags had their uh, urine brown jerseys on and then the titans had their all blues 
if you've ever seen Dr. Seuss's The Butter Battle book, they looked like the Ukes and the Zooks playing against each other. Another uh, terrible one where I, one of my honorable mentions was the uh, Eagles Kelly Green. The One of the worst ones was the Eagles Blue and Gold. I don't know if you guys remember watching Donovan oh, McNabb oh, fling I... the ball in that. It's just like baby blue and yellow with... <laughs> it's it's a bad jersey. Oh yuck, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I oh just my... pulled up a picture. That's gross. <laughs> wow, that's huh. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say if we if we didn't mention the Pittsburgh Bumblebee uniforms too. No, I I love the Bumblebees. <laughs> do you remember the um do you remember the colorblind game? Where uh, I think it was the Jets oh, and the Bills, maybe and they I do were remember like that green and bo- <laughs> uh, green and red, and uh, colorblind people couldn't tell which team was which. <laughs> oh man, the little oversights like that make this league work worth watching. Yep. <laughs> if you have a question for the cheese nerds about the Packers, the NFL, or if you have a question about us. You can contact us on Twitter at DFGsNerds. That's nerds with he, you. On to some Packer discussion. We've been putting it off for far too long. I guess we should start with injury news then. Sadly, Randall Cobb suffered an ankle injury in the third quarter of the game against the Jets. It was looking pretty bad. He got carted to the back. He had a towel on his head. He looked like his season was over. Thankfully, though, it looks like he avoided a major injury. He'll still miss some time, multiple weeks, but it's not as serious as it could have been. And just kind of going in a rewind here, last week when we were talking about the Odell trade, the main reason why I thought it might be a good idea was just for some depth here. And I talked about, you know, Cobb with his big game he had and how long can that hold up before he gets hurt. And then here we are next week and he's going to miss some time here. So we could uh, really use some more depth in the wide receiver range. Yeah, I mentioned before that I'm not super psyched on the idea of the Packers making like big splash trades and mortgaging the future. But at this point, it seems like if we want to write this ship, we need to do something. I don't know if a wide receiver fixes everything that's wrong with the Packers right now, but getting somebody like a DJ Moore would certainly be a step in the right direction. We've got the trade deadline approaching, and it's like a pipe dream, but DJ Moore, they should just go out and get him. There's really, I don't even know what what the other options would be, you know? there's Who else is looking to just, like, gut their team for the future, you know? Like... I don't think there are many options. There's nobody out there in free agency besides uh, Odell Beckham, but he comes back in like November sometime. So yeah, yeah late November, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Josh Gordon is out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, uh, DJ Moore, his last three seasons, he's been a thousand yard receiver. Yeah. So, I mean. And that's if- with Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Allen, uh, Cam Newton's corpse, um, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, <laughs> a scarecrow wearing a number one jersey. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just don't like I said, getting a wide receiver, some kind of trade like that would be a step in the right direction, but I don't think it's the answer to this team's woes. Rodgers says the answer is they need to simplify the offense. Now, simplify is in quotes. Those are his words. And me, Ryan, Cody, and Matt LaFleur aren't really sure what he means by that. Yeah, LaFleur's response to that was, I don't know what that means. (laughs) And then he went on and said about, you know, it comes from us starting at the top and working our way down with our communication, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean... Obviously, talk to your quarterback. Let's figure this thing out here. The team is currently scoring approximately 18 points per game. That's 24th in the league. That's very bad for an Aaron Rodgers offense. And we're currently giving up 20.5 points per game. Now, that's 15th. That's middle of the pack. Pretty good, but not great. But we give up more than we score. 
And that's an equation for losing football, if you guys couldn't do the math on that yourselves. Yeah, that points per game, 18, that's like that's like some uh, Brett numbers, you know? <laughs> Brett Hundley, I mean. Brett Hundley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tricked. Uh, the... I think our main issues that we're running into, and there's been so much talk about it ever since Sunday, is the offensive line. There were some very clear communication issues with the offensive line this week. It seemed like no one was picking up the blocks they were supposed to, with the exception of maybe Bakhtiari. Yeah, they're very bad at like all around to it. It seemed like they really struggled. I don't know if it's their communication or what. Switching off a of one block and then getting another guy, you know, when when they kind of have to switch and cover this guy coming inside on a, you know, on their left, and they kind of switch with the running back, and it was just, it, it was sloppy. It was frustrating, and it's been frustrating to see it happen to Jenkins after two years of all pro play from this guy. He just looks completely out of his element at right tackle, and I don't know if it's the fact that he's playing aside Newman, who has been atrocious. But those two on that edge are an absolute liability. Yeah, I mean, this is more not just offensive performance, but more all around. The Jets' stats compared to ours, I'll just kind of lay it out for you guys because it's very surprising to see this, to listen to these numbers and then look at the score, right? Time of possession, Jets, 28 minutes, 49 seconds. We had 31-11. The yards on a penalty, the Jets had 79 yards against them on penalties. We only had 42. And then the Jets, they were 1 for 11 on third downs. But they still destroyed us in Lambeau. I think the main stat missing from that breakdown and the one that killed us the most is the turnover differential. We had two turnovers. They had four. Yeah, and we've had four for this whole season. We've had four total. 30th and takeaways. And I think that comes from opposing teams just not needing to pass the ball because their running game is just working. We cannot stop the run, and it's getting really, really annoying. We'll get more into that in a little bit. We also have to take into consideration the Jets' defense. They were pretty good. It seemed like whenever we needed a big play to happen, like an absolute absolute needed thing to happen, it just never happened. You know, like they always shut it down whether it was just nobody being open or somebody batting the ball down or, you know, the O-line of the Packers absolutely caving in and letting the uh, defensive line of the Jets just get to Aaron Rodgers. It looked like an absolute, like, bloodbath. Like, he didn't have any time to throw, and he was just, they made it hard for him. The Quinn and Williams, man, he was really good. He had uh, two tackles for loss, uh, two sacks. He's just. Uh, three QB hits. It's good stuff. Not for the Packers, obviously, but for their defense. That's, that's some good numbers. Sauce Gardner as well. For the Jets and Gary V, it was good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like I said before, the Jets are maybe a much better team. You know, it's really not that long ago that they were one of the top defenses in the league. And for maybe the past five, six years, they've been a bit of a joke, but when you're a joke that long, you tend to get a lot of high draft picks. I want to read you guys their draft picks since 2019, or at least their, some, of their, some of the hits they've gotten on their draft. So in 2019, they picked Quinnen Williams third overall, and we saw what he did against us on Sunday. In 2020, they actually had a really bad draft. That was the Mekki Becton, Denzel Mims year. But then in 2021, obviously they get Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, in 2021, they also claimed Quinn and Williams' brother, Quincy Williams, off waivers from the Jags. And now in 2022, they used three first-round picks on Sauce Gardner, and he was just a menace all day. Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson. And then in the second, they got Brees Hall, and he was another major contributor to their win. I think the Jets are good, and I think they're only going to get better. Like we said before, I'm not totally all bought in on the Jets yet um I guess we'll see you know record wise at the end of the season what uh, you know how good they actually are but I mean we need to we need to do some things different here we need to use Aaron Jones in more dynamic ways I mean 
I said it a few weeks ago that we need to get this guy the ball more and more. But I mean, this week, nine carries for 19 yards. <laughs> that was a, a pretty rough game. I mean, again, it goes back to our offensive line issues. I think we just need to figure out quick passes to Jones, however we can get him the ball. But we need to take a long look at our scheme here and figure some things out. I cannot figure out why Aaron Jones isn't used in the passing game more often. He's a, he's a fantastic runner, but he's also fantastic as a receiver. And I feel like when you, you talk about using him in more dynamic ways, we used to use this guy all over the place. We used to use him on wheel routes and screen passes and the little like check downs and stuff. It just feels like we don't do that with him. And if we get him the ball in open space, he's electric. So the fact that we're not getting him the ball in creative ways is completely perplexing. We are desperate for talent right now. We're desperate to slow down attacking defenses. You do that by screen passes, quick passes, and running the ball. Jones should be the heart of our offense. And every week, all we hear is, Oh, he only got three carries in the first half. That's not good enough. You're the guy that can fix that. So fix it. Yeah. And I mean, we tried to get him the ball. He had that deep route on the right sideline, or I guess the near sideline. And I mean, it wasn't an easy throw, but it's a throw we've seen the Rodgers make time and time again. So I don't know if it comes back to his issue with his thumb that he had going on, but he threw that ball out of bounds where. Jones, the only catch he could make was going to keep him out of bounds because he had a leap for it. And if he would have just kept it on the field, Jones was outrunning the guy by about three yards. It should have been an easy 30 yards or more. Rodgers himself, I feel like, is not playing his best football. Yeah, I mean, 26 for 41. And it makes you wonder if it stems back to how he goes into the offseason you know, preseason games, the uh, training camp, all that kind of stuff. Especially, it's one thing when you got Devontae Adams and you got all this chemistry, but when you got these guys here that you've never played with before and they, they're they rookies coming in and they're expected to do a lot. They're not just rookies coming in expected to get a catch here and there. No, they're rookies coming in expected to get a majority of the work and we don't get any reps with them until the season starts. I mean, outside of practice and whatever, but it's different. Game situations, even if it was one drive, you know, a couple more drives here and there in uh, the preseason, it's just I think we're, we missed out on a lot of chemistry building in the offseason. I actually think that's probably the reason for the bad play. You know, I don't think it's – I personally don't think it's Rodgers himself. I think that when he's doing those deep balls, you know, that he's been – trying to do lately you know the hero ball kind of thing where he's just trying to just trying to get something in there but it either gets batted down or dropped or overthrown you know i think that's more on the receivers because we know he can do it you know what i mean and it's not like he's had this russell wilson absolutely like nose dive into the ground for talent you know i just think it's i think it's got to be more on the the inexperience in the wide receivers and the lack of like you know, a true alpha wide receiver, you know, so I'm not going to put it on Rogers as of right now. I think, I don't think it's his fault. I think those plays where he's, you know, trying to get it into, you know, on the deep balls when he's trying to get it in there, it's like all he can do, you know, it's like, what else is he going to, what else is he going to do? Is he going to like not try to take shots with, if nobody's open, you might as well try to get the big play, you know, Yeah. and the balls are making it to the receiver, you know, it's just, it's getting there. But there's just no separation ever. Yeah, the the other thing about it too is we can say that Rodgers made a bad throw. And for this last game, I think he did make some bad throws. But that's coming from a guy that is just watching it, right? I don't know what goes into it for the practices and whatnot. Like that pass that he had with Dobbs going across the center of the field. And Dobbs made a really good, good uh, like fingertip catch. And he brought it into his body and could have easily fumbled that. I mean, it was a a nail biting catch and he he did a good job of maintaining that and keeping it. But I mean, that throw it to me looked like a Rogers bad throw, but who knows? Maybe 
that route was supposed to be ran one yard shallower, so he was cutting across the field sooner, so you would you know, so you wouldn't head out stretch as much. But again, it's coming from me that <laughs> I'm not Aaron Rodgers, I'm not an NFL player, but to me it looked like Rodgers made a few bad throws that game. I think this team's struggles on offense come down to the offensive line. I think um seeing them struggle is really disheartening. Wide receiver and quarterback chemistry, I feel like, is a lot easier to work on than offensive line communication. They just looked lost out there, and they're still trying to find that combination of linemen that gives them the best shot. This doesn't feel like it, and I really hope they try out some different looks in this next game coming up. And just kind of talking about... What I said about Cobb last week, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's already has a hurt thumb. How many more hits is this guy going to take before he actually gets really hurt where he can't play? I mean, he's been sacked, I believe, 15 times so far this season, which is eighth. So he's the eighth most sacked quarterback in the league right now. So, I mean, we just got to give this guy some time, let him get comfortable. We might be moving to Jordan Love way sooner than any of us want if that keeps up. The defense now, I have no idea what to make of them. I think they're doing well. Pass coverage was infinitely better this week. And I don't know how much of that is just the running game was clicking so they didn't have to pass. But no receiver on the Jets got more than two catches all game. Uh, We allowed less than 100 passing yards. Garrett Wilson, their hot new young rookie, was held to one catch. And we saw Jair making some classic Jair plays. Elijah Moore, their second round wide receiver from last year, had zero catches. And Zach Wilson didn't exactly have a career game. Um, So how much of that is Brees Hall just running all over us and making the rest of the offense completely redundant? Or how much of that is the Packers cornerback stepping up and playing the way they're supposed to be playing? I mean, like you kind of said, it's, it's perplexing when you look at the stats. And you know how we've been playing as a team. Just going through it, we're fifth in total defense with 299 yards per game. We're first in pass defense, 164 yards a game. But you know why we're first? Because they don't have to throw the dang ball. We're <laughs> yeah. 27. We're 27th in rush defense with 135 yards per game. We're 15th in points allowed, so right in the middle of the pack. But again, the big one that I said earlier: 30th in takeaways with four and six games. It kind of reminded me of the 2019 NFC Championship game, minus like two touchdowns and like maybe 100 yards. But they just, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo in that game completed six passes for 77 yards. And Zach Wilson this time went 10 of 18 for 110. You're right. They don't even need to pass the ball to beat us. They just need to clamp down the wider, the inexperienced wide receivers and then just run the ball that's all it takes for me defensively the only shining spot we really have is just seeing the the play week in and week out of Rashawn Gary I mean right now he's the only one that's really getting me excited Uh, special teams I think it's actually more highs and lows for the special teams this week a major peak and a major valley we got a punt block that's something we haven't had in a very long time We got a clean punt block that set us up deep in their territory. And then they blocked one of our field goals and blocked one of our punts and then scored off of it. So what's going on? (laughs) The the special teams, they can make a big play, but then they're going to give something else up. And it comes back to offensive line. Those blocks are all on the offensive line. I don't know how it works. I guess that's just me not paying attention as closely as maybe I should. But I'm assuming for the line for special teams, are those starting linemen or are those kind of like the backups? I think you have a specialized team that comes in for like a special team. (laughs) Regardless, throughout the whole thing, you know, like starters, second, third string, whatever you want to say, they all need work. I mean, it was just embarrassing to watch what our overall offensive special teams line did. I want to sum up my current thoughts on this team using a metaphor. This season so far feels like the Packers are putting together a puzzle. And the picture on the puzzle is a championship football team. 
the first week was them taking the puzzle, dumping the pieces out, and trying to flip all of them over. Usually this is done in the pre-puzzle stage, but the Packers like to use week one for that kind of stuff. The next three weeks, the Packers were putting together the edge and corner pieces, the easiest parts. And now these past two weeks, it's felt like the Packers lost the box cover, and now they're trying to build the puzzle from memory. They're helplessly slamming their fists, trying to force pieces to fit where they clearly don't. This team needs to take a step back, take a breath, and focus on the task at hand. Take what they're given, make the most of it, and maybe look up a copy of the box art online. I, th- I think what they're going to find out is they rented this puzzle from the library and it's missing a few pieces. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's award season. I want to give my Golden Brown Player of the Week award to Jair Alexander, who shut down Garrett Wilson, who delivered some classic Jair pass breakups, and just lights up the field with those bright yellow sleeves. My Golden Brown Player of the Week, going to old Bobby Tunyon with his 10 catches for 90 yards. It's nice to see him as such a productive part of our offense. I just wish he wasn't the most productive part of our offense. I I wish those 10 catches and 90 yards was uh, like second or third on our uh, catching list here. I'm going to have to give it to A. Rogers this week for the Golden Brown Player of the Week. You got to think, like, you got to give him credit for not retiring immediately after the game <laughs> with how <laughs> how bad they destroyed him, you know? So now, which A Rogers are we talking about here? Um, we're talking about uh the one that uh, throws the passes. Okay, because <laughs> uh, Amari Rogers caught a pass this week. I I couldn't believe it. Is that the first one of the year? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it is since wow. preseason. Anyway, he might have uh, asked for that ball and said, "Can I please have this to put in my mantle for my last." NFL catch. <laughs> yep. I think it's also because our wide receiver room is basically nothing right now. Might as well go straight for the undercooked card of the week then. For me, it's Quay Walker. He started out so promising. He was having two, three, four nice games right to begin with. But these past couple games, he has been shaky. This past game, Brees Hall. The slightest juke and Quay Walker has been overrunning his man every single time. I I can't believe how often he overruns the play and then just loses the running back and just creates a wide open lane. It's really frustrating to see the yeah. rookie struggling like that. Especially your first round pick. Yeah. Yeah, my uh undercut Kurt of the week. It's going to a whole unit. Let's go into the offensive and special teams line. I mean, I know I've talked about this a few times before, but four sacks, a block punt, a blocked field goal. I mean, we need to get some extra reps in and practice or something. We we need to get these guys on the same page learning about, hey, when this guy crosses to my left, I'm going to go to him. You make sure you cover my guy. I mean, they need to get some continuity on that front. My undercooked curd this week is going to go to Juwan Winfrey. I just have one question. Why is this guy even on the team? Like the dude's got four targets this year, one reception. Like in this game he had one target and one drop. Why is this guy keep getting elevated to play in these games? He doesn't do anything. He's got a career total of 75 yards. Like and he's been here this is his fourth year. Like, why are they holding on to this guy, and why do they keep throwing him in there? He, I don't, he doesn't do anything. He must just be a mixture of cheap and practice squad reliable, where he just fills the spot on the practice squad just enough, but he's never good enough to take a spot higher than what he's got. I suppose that's, you know, him. Being on the practice, being brought up from the practice squad all the time just shows that he's a, a practice squad player. But it's the, it's like it must be just the only guy they have that they can trust, you know. Like, but why do they even trust him? He doesn't do anything. So I don't know. Maybe he's just a body to fill for when a uh, when they need a you know, a roster spot because like somebody's hurt. Maybe they just like oh we'll just throw Winfrey in there. 
You I'm know? itching to see that Torre guy do something. And I'm not a Green Bay Packers scout. I don't, I'm not a Green Bay Packer coach. I don't know what they are seeing day in and day out on the training field. But I mean, Torre is at least new and he might have something that we haven't seen out of Winfrey or Amari for that matter. Packers Winfrey, more like. Packers win free against New York. <laughs> I don't get it. I think they're they're without wins against New York. Ah, the two the uh the two Meadowlands teams. <laughs> Sorry, the new Meadowlands. Yeah. Jersey really kicked our ass over the past couple days here. Yeah. <laughs> past couple weeks. Well, um amidst the storm of crap that we watched there were at least a few highlight plays that we can talk about and hopefully look forward to seeing more of Rashawn Gary got a sack on Zach Wilson in the first half that I had a very big laugh at Gary got turned around in the middle of a spin move and when he came out of the spin move Zach Wilson was basically in his lap so all he had to do was fall down while hugging him and uh, it looked like Rashawn Gary was just as surprised as any of us to see that he had his arms around the quarterback. So that gets my deep fried play of the game. Yeah, for me, I think it's a pretty easy one. Our lone touchdown that we had, Lazard's 25-yard touchdown grab. You know, the ball was a little bit behind. I think it was kind of planned that way. He came back to it, got it, got the touchdown. So, Yeah, I'm going to go with... Uh that deep ball that went to Aaron Jones, but he caught it, but he was out of bounds. But I think that had to be, if not the most explosive play of the game for the Packers, or if it was the only play that went for over 20 yards, I, I don't really remember, but it just looked, it looked cool until it was out of bounds. The thought that counts. And yep. And it just shows that, uh, you know, Aaron Jones can, he's so dynamic and they need to use him more. You know, they can throw deep balls to this guy. It's crazy. Yep. It's a shame. Those are the kind of plays that leave you thinking, what if, you know? Yep. If they had hit him on that, does the game, does momentum swing our way a little more? That's one thing is I'm noticing with this team is they do not do well when the momentum is against them. They, they have the inability to swim upstream right now. And with the way they're playing, they're going to be downstream quite a lot. This next week, the Packers are taking a trip out to Washington, D.C. They're going to play Taylor Heineke and the rest of the Washington Commanders at noon on Sunday. It might be a chance for them to right the ship a little bit. Commanders are not the greatest team in the league at this point, and they're down their starting quarterback. What do you guys think? What are the keys to winning this game? Yeah, I think we've been preaching it over and over again. We need to stop the run. You know, that backfield, they're just getting Brian Robinson kind of accustomed to that starting role. He was out the first four weeks with the gunshot wounds. And so, you know, he's one of my more favorite stories of the year so far. So I'm kind of rooting for the guy, but obviously when it comes to the Packers, I'm hoping that we can stop him. Yeah, hopefully they can get this offensive line combination figured out you know try some other people in there try that big six foot eight guy that they just got off the colts uh claim they claim that i forgot his name to takuda taluda something like that absolute unit six foot eight you know just throw him in there try something else can't get much worse yeah it can't get much worse that elton jenkins too he was that was like the worst I've ever seen him do. And he's always been, you know, the Swiss Army knife playing everywhere on the line. But he just looked atrocious. I know the commander defense is reeling right now. They're not mm-hmm. the best in the league. They're they're pretty low on the totem pole. Okay. Um so that's one of the weaknesses I think we need to exploit. All right. We're going up against a very rough defense, a very uh out of sorts defense. Mm-hmm. If ever there was a time for the Packers to try some new stuff or to try to get on the right path, now is the time. Because after the Commanders, we have the Bills. 
And that has the chance to take away our morale for the entire rest of the season. If we lose to the Commanders, and then we go to Buffalo and get destroyed, I don't know if this team can recover. Talking about that, I mean, if the Packers lose to the Commanders, there's no more saying, hey, look how good this team is the next week. They were they're coming on. I mean, if we lose to the Commanders with Taylor Heineke commanding that ship over there, if we lose to them, it is just it shows us what we are as a team. I mean, you talked about it, Charlie. After that, we got the Bills. After that, we got the Lions, Cowboys, Titans, Eagles. I mean, <laughs> if we start this with a loss, it's not looking good the next few weeks. A lot of ship talk in this episode. Yeah, with Carson Wentz out and going against probably the most legendary number four to ever be in the league, Taylor Heineke, <laughs> I just, if we can't beat them with Carson Wentz out, and Taylor Heineke playing, who we beat last year, by the way, who uh, handedly. But if we can't do it, then I think this this season is probably gone. It's you know the rest of the season has like maybe like one or two games that I feel confident that they can win. But the problem is, I felt confident that they could win the last two weeks. But you know, I mean, it only gets harder yeah. from here. And I don't know. This was meant to be our easy stretch, and it's not looking good. We'll see what happens. Washington is not a good team right now. I think it's safe to say that. The Jets and the Giants both came in with question marks, but you could see how they were on the rise. Washington at least seems to be in the early stages of a rebuild. I think that they they don't personally think they're a playoff team, so... They're just going to try whatever they can. And then if they lose games, always get that higher draft pick. You know, I don't want to say they're tanking, but, you know, they might be tanking. <laughs> and they have more drama going on than anyone right now. Yeah. With Dan Snyder and Ron Rivera and all that. Yep. I think it's going to be like a rebuild from the from the owner down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. Did you guys hear Al Michaels like just coming out and firing right across their nose? Yep. No. He, uh, he he basically came right out and said, Dan Snyder, sell the team. Nobody wants you here. <laughs> On so, Thursday night football. Yep. <laughs> it was uh it was pretty refreshingly transparent for yeah. a commentator. Some would say that's the most exciting thing on Thursday Night Football that there was the last two or three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys, I think we've reached that point in the podcast where someone needs to read some poetry. Last week, I said that I wasn't planning on reading again this week. And naturally, you guys tie again. What were the numbers? Both of you got six predictions correct and nine incorrect. Nice. So, as is my duty, I will read you another haiku. They did it again. Truly, they are all-knowing. Both six to nine. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So the record so far, Cody now stands at 35 and 38, creeping ever closer to a 500 record. And Ryan is sitting at 40 and 33, or a healthy lead still. We're both kind of sitting on that that Jeff Fisher kind of win percentage, you know? (laughs) The old 7-9 special. Right. You guys can expect a middle-of-the-road draft pick next year. Are you guys ready for your week seven quick trip around the league? Ready. Ready. Thursday night's game features the New Orleans Saints at the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Saints. Sunday's games begin with the Atlanta Falcons at Bengals. Bengals. Falcons. Lions at Cowboys. Lions. I'll go Lions. Colts at Titans. Colts. Colts. Buccaneers at Panthers. 
Go Panthers. Go Panthers. Giants at Jaguars. Giants. Jags. Browns at Ravens. Ravens. Uh, Ravens as well. Jets at Broncos. Jets. Jets. Texans at Raiders. Raiders. Texans will win. Seahawks at Chargers. Chargers. Seahawks. Chiefs at 49ers. Uh, Let's go Chiefs. Chiefs. Steelers at Dolphins. Dolphins. We know who the quarterbacks are going to (laughs) be. Steelers. And finally on Monday night, the Bears at the Patriots. Go Patriots. Go Patriots. Buffalo, the Rams, the Vikings, and the Eagles are all on by. So we'll see how you guys do. Good luck, gentlemen. I really don't want to say another a third haiku in a row. So if one of you could beat the other one, that'd be great. Which out of those games are you guys looking forward to? I think I'm looking forward to the most is the Chargers versus Seahawks. I think it's going to be the most exciting game overall. I'm going to go with a team that I have a bittersweet relationship with, but I really want to see the Jags beat the Giants. Slowly, slowly pulling me back into the Jags fandom. It kind of seems like it. I feel like you're like the Jags are a black hole and you're caught in the gravity well. Yep. I think that it's like it waxes and wanes. You know, it's like every now and then you start going to Saxonville. But then once you get to that, like you're talking about the gauge before, you know, it's over on the hot side right now. And or no, actually, it's kind of in the middle right now. But. Before 2017, we're on the hot side, okay? Shortly after 2017, wow, did we go to the cold side. And then we stayed in the cold <laughs> side for a while, and now we're moving back up to the middle. So, And it also helps that they don't have, like, anybody left from uh, the old regime, but Trent Balky is not the guy to have for a GM. But I'll save that for Jag's podcast by Cody. <laughs> I, I like the faith that you're putting in the Jags in their game against the Giants here. Yep, it's uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know. Um, I think Bortles died so we could have Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Personally, I'm looking forward to the Lions and the Cowboys game. Um, I think the Lions have something to prove after getting shellacked by the Patriots. And I think the Cowboys get Dak back. So it'll be interesting to see how those two teams match up. Okay, are the Packers going to right the ship this week? Are they going to figure it out? What do you guys got for predictions for this Packers-Commanders game? For some reason, I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to win by two touchdowns. I think they're going to poop the bed again, and they're going to lose by a touchdown. To be honest, Taylor Heineke scares me more than Carson Wentz does, but... I have to put my faith in this team. And if what they need is someone to be fired up and in their corner, then I am willing to fall on that sword. I'm going to say Packers beat the Commanders by three touchdowns in a statement win. Imagine saying four years ago, five years ago, that you would be more scared of Taylor Heineke than Carson Wentz. (laughs) It's the world I'm living in right now. It's all topsy-turvy. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Deep Fried Cheese Nerds podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DF Cheese Nerds. That's nerds with a U. You can tell us your thoughts on the team. Let us know what you think of the podcast. You can also watch podcast highlights on TikTok at DF Cheese Nerds Pod. The podcast is available on your favorite podcast platforms. Please tell your friends, leave us a review, leave us a five star, click follow, all those pretty things. We'll see you next week. Well, we best be hitting the road. Have a good one. Bye. You guys remember Jerome Simpson? Who was he? He was the uh, bangle that did the front flip touchdown. Oh, yeah. They just replayed that highlight a few days or like a week or so ago. I think it was over a decade ago. Did you guys see Josh Allen hurdle that guy? I didn't see it. It was pretty cool. I seen the still, the picture, but I didn't see the actual clip. I was eating some wings while I watched it. Mm-hmm.